This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, hello, friends. Thanks for joining us on the Sunday as we continue in the series, Look Up, that we're taking a glimpse of this beautiful picture of what happens when God shows up in our story and helps us see the bigger picture that's unfolding. Now, I'm, I'm old enough to remember taking the original selfies. And this is before we had digital phones with cameras and digital cameras even. We had to take that old camera. If you wanted an instant picture, you took that old Polaroid camera and you held it up to your face, hoped you squared up nicely, hit the button, and then this cartridge would spit out the picture of you. Except it wasn't a picture of you yet. It was just this blob that would begin to develop. And so you would hold this thing and you would wait and you would wait, and if you were like me, you would shake the picture, because apparently we thought that would help it develop faster, and then eventually this fuzzy image would begin to appear, and over time, you would begin to see yourself, and you're like, oh, there I am, that's who I am, that's what I look like. And I, I think life can oftentimes be like that, like, like we are this developing picture, this, this pro- work in progress, and, and we, you have these moments where the picture comes in very clearly and we have a clear sense of who we are and it's this great thing and yet I think there are often times where we lose sight of that as well. Like, like it's not as if the picture is always coming into focus. I think sometimes in our lives the, the picture fluctuates. Sometimes it, it gets clearer and clearer and then other times in moments of challenge or struggle the picture can get fuzzy and we can actually begin to lose sight of who we are. Like, like do you remember just going through the journey of adolescence? I mean, what? A roller coaster ride of trying to figure out who am I in that stage of life and there's moments where you feel like you've got it and then one person says one thing and your whole life spins and and then you hit your 20s and suddenly you're now grown up and you're like now I know who I am and then you realize adulting is really really hard and a lot of self-doubt can begin to hit you and then especially as you hit certain milestones or stages or relationships or becoming a parent or whatever may happen and then we have midlife crisis. I mean, talk about losing a sense of the picture. The picture can get real fuzzy then. Anytime we have a crisis, the picture can get incredibly fuzzy. And when the picture is fuzzy, it's really hard to see who we truly are. Because having a clear picture of ourselves is so important. It's so important if we're going to live our lives to our fullest potential. If we're going to step into this life that Jesus invites us into, this this life that Jesus said he came to give us, he said, I came to give you life, life to its fullest. And and if we want to experience that life, the more clearly we see ourselves, the, the easier it is to enter into it. And so we're we're continuing this series, Look Up, where we're trying to gain this bigger perspective on our life story. And and we're diving into the the story of a guy named Gideon in the Old Testament, in in the old stories in our Bible, to help us see something in his life that that maybe reflects a reality or truth in our own story today. I think there's a lot we can learn about Gideon's story that, that is still true for our lives today. And so we stepped into the story last week for the first time, and and the context around Gideon's life is that his people, the the ancient Israelites, are in a time of serious oppression by another group of people, 
this group called the Midianites. They, they, the Israelites had walked away from God and God's like, okay, like you're, you're stepping away from my protection. If you don't want me in your story, I'll respect that, but there's consequence. And in swept the Midianites and just began to brutalize and oppress them. And, and yet God had a plan for them. God wanted to rescue them and restore them and, and bring them back to himself. And so he's gonna do this through Gideon, but, but for Gideon to step into the role that God's calling him into, it's gonna require some things in his own journey, his own processing. His picture needs to get a little bit more clear. And so we're gonna see that as we jump in. So let's dive into his story and, and revisit some of the things we saw last week because there's some yeah buts that are going on in Gideon's life. And so here in, in Judges 6, we read this. The Gideon son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So catch this. Here's Gideon hiding for his life, hiding out of fear of the enemy, trying to protect his grain so he can feed his family. And, and God shows up and calls him mighty hero to the guy hiding for his life. And, and then this is either God messing with Gideon, like poking fun at him. Like if you if ever did something stupid and someone said, nice move, Einstein, right? Like it's either God's doing that or God's doing something else. That God's actually calling out something in Gideon, calling out who he really is. And then after this brief interaction, we saw Gideon's first yabba with God was like, but God, if you're with us, then why is all this stuff happening? And, and we saw this moment of just open honesty with God and we unpacked that last week and God's response was getting I'm sending you go in the strength you have I, I, I'm with you I'm the one sending you and, and then Gideon has a new yabba in this moment and we see this in verse 15 he says this but Lord Gideon replied how can I rescue Israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family See, I can so relate to this, what Gideon's saying in this moment, like, because in my own story, I can be so full of self-doubt and excuses and insecurities. Like, God, who am I to step into things you've called me to? Like, God, you know me. I'm the quiet, insecure nerd who loves to read a book more than hanging out with people on a Friday night. Like, like God, and I, I have insecurities in my life that make me just feel like, like I've, I've got crooked teeth that we could never afford braces, and it's just kind of made me feel sheepish so much of my life, and like so many excuses, I could just say, God, no, I'm not your guy. And, and this is what Gideon's basically saying, who am I that you're calling me? And, and yet God says to him, God's response is this, no, Gideon, the, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Like you'll be this mighty hero, Gideon, because I'm with you. I know who you really are. And I, and I love this interaction between God and Gideon. Because here's God inviting Gideon into the story that he wants to tell. And, and yet here's Gideon looking down, looking down at himself in his circumstances, saying, who am I? And yet here's God inviting Gideon to look up, to look up and to begin to see himself the way God sees him. God sees him as this mighty warrior that he's going to use to free his people. And see, what's going on here with Gideon is is not simply an expression of a lack of confidence. No, what he's actually experiencing is an identity crisis because he's not seeing himself for who he truly is. 
And let me just say, it's so hard to step into the story God's telling. It's so hard to step into the story that God's inviting you into when you don't know who you really are. Which I think becomes such a fascinating question to chase after. How do we discover who we are? So my oldest daughter is in school and taking classes online like so many of our, our, our youth right our, our youth today are doing it and, and, and in one of her classes they're reading this book that's really trying to help answer the question of identity and, and, and the, the basic premise of the book is this no one can tell you who you are you have to discover this for yourself you have to define yourself and and basically the, the book is saying that you are a composite of all sorts of things in your life. So you're a composite of your culture or your ethnicity or your sexuality or your socioeconomic status. So you're, you're a composite. Are you a part of the dominant culture or the, the minority or oppressed culture? You're, you're a composite of all the experiences that you've had in life. And, and I appreciate the intention of this book because part of what it's trying to do is, is address some of the societal Ill, ills that plague us as a, as a, as a society and culture. And, and yet what's interesting about this book is, is that the framing of the question is trying to answer it without factoring God in the equation. And when God's not in the equation, then it would make sense that we're just trying to find ourselves based on all these other things in our life. And, and yet I'm not sure that's actually all that helpful because I'm not sure if I actually find myself in these things. I mean, Gideon had a sense of all this in his own life. He had a sense of all these things that could have defined who he was. And yet he's still asking the question, who am I? And yet these things that they're like, yes, they shape us most definitely. They've certainly shaped me, but I'm not sure they actually define us. I'm not sure they can actually tell us who we are. I mean, let's just chase after a few of these that, that I think are oftentimes the way we've tried to find ourselves. Well, one of those ways that we try to find ourselves is, is through our stuff or, or gaining a certain status. So if I can just have the right stuff or, or gain the right status, if I can get the house, get the job, get the, the picket fence, then I'll be somebody. I mean, this is the quintessential chasing after of the American dream. And yet, as we do that, I think it, it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, how much, how much stuff does it take? How, how much status do I need to gain before I truly feel like I am somebody, before I'm really fulfilled? Well, if you're anything like me, the answer is just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. So then when do I have enough to be somebody? And, and then what happens if I lose my stuff or my status is taken away from me? Do I suddenly cease to exist? It's an interesting thing because I think when our identity gets wrapped up in our, our stuff and our pursuit of a certain kind of status, it, it doesn't take long before we stop owning our stuff and our stuff and the pursuit of more stuff begins to own us. And I think we're kind of waking up to this, to the, to the bankruptcy of being a consumeristic culture to a certain degree. There's this fascinating documentary on Netflix called The Minimalists. And 
just these guys just wrestling with the question, who am I and does this stuff satisfy me? I'd recommend watching it. It's fascinating to see them trying to figure this out as they saw the bankruptcy of pursuing stuff. But that's one way we try. I don't know if it's actually all that helpful though. So here's another way that we oftentimes try to find who we are and that's in, in the sum total of the experiences we've had in life. And so this kind of asks the question, well, is who I am defined by what I've experienced in life? And, and yeah, I think experiences definitely shape us. They've definitely shaped me, but I'm not sure they actually define me. Because again, if, if experiences are what define me, then how many experiences do I have to have before I'm somebody? And what are the right experiences I need to have? And, and, and I think that the danger of this is that if my identity is determined by my experiences, then it's really easy to get stuck in life when we've experienced hard things, hurtful things, wounding things, damaging things. We can get stuck in those places. Our identity can become one of, of a victim as we're trying to figure out who we are and go through life. And this is part of what we see where Gideon's at in his story. Like, God, there's, there's just so much going on. We're being so worked, like beaten down by this, this, this other group of people in our story. Like, who am I to do anything? I'm the least. And so again, I think experiences can shape us, but I don't think they really help us discover who we are. So there's another, maybe another way that we try to do this, and that, that's trying to have a, an understanding of a cultural identity. I mean, is, is the culture we're in or the cultures that we're a part of what defines who we are? I mean, I, I do think we have a sense of cultural identity, but again, I'm not sure that tells me exactly who I am. I don't think it defines me fully. Because it, it, it makes sense to, 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 to have a sense of a cultural affinity for sure, but it gets really weird if you've ever stepped out of your cultural context because you're like, well, who am I now? Like for our family, when we first moved to Canada, it was really bizarre for a period of time because we were Americans not living in America anymore. We're now expats and we're trying to learn a Canadian context and, and yet we're not yet Canadian citizens. So we're in this in-between. Did we somehow cease to exist in that in-between stage? And, and then if we got Canadian status and residency, are we now Americanadians? Like, it's interesting because the, the, the question of cultural identity, it, it kind of begs the, the chicken and egg question. Like, does culture define who we are or do we define culture? Like what came first, people who created culture or culture that creates people? It's, I think when our identity, when our identity becomes enmeshed in our culture, things can start to get ugly especially when we see cultures begin to clash. I, I think there's a reason we have culture wars in our country. And I don't think it's because we simply see things differently. I think that when we begin to have our identity wrapped up in a cultural expression, whether it's conservative or progressive or liberal or whatever we would label it, when our identity becomes enmeshed in that and we encounter somebody different than us who sees things differently, it's not simply that we have a discussion, it's that that difference actually begins to threaten our sense of identity. I think this is part of why we saw that horrific moment at our nation's capital that just took place. Because there was this whole group of people who were reacting out of a sense of their identity was being threatened and the only option they thought they had was to go, go violent. 
And yet they weren't the only ones being threatened in that moment because the, the backlash we saw on the media and the response of everyone else was one of not just sadness over what we're seeing, but also a feeling of being threatened and, and attacking and trying to shut them down. Whew. That's not just a conservative issue or a liberal issue. That's a human issue. And it's those differences that threaten our sense of identity. And when our identity is our culture, we don't always know how to make room for those who are different than us. And so I think those are just some of the ways that we oftentimes try to find our identity and answer the question, who am I? And in all of these things, I'm not convinced that they actually define who we are because ultimately these are things we have. So I have a culture, I have an ethnicity, I have a sexuality, I have a socioeconomic status, I have experiences, but none of those things can actually tell me who I am because they're just things. They're just a collection of what's that I have. And a what can never define a who. Only another who can do that. Which is why it's so amazing to me when God shows up in the story. Because suddenly the ultimate who is on the scene. And who does God say we are? And this is what's going on with God and Gideon. We, we see a guy living in fear, hiding from his enemies, but God sees Gideon in a totally different light. Mighty hero, he calls him. God sees Gideon for who he really is. And God sees you and me. God sees us for who we really are. God sees us more clearly than we will ever see ourselves because God created us. And that doesn't mean that he just caused us to happen. No, he created us. He made us with incredible intention and purpose. And if we will let him, if we will lean in and listen to him, if we'll look to him, God can reveal to us who we are. Well, one of my favorite psalms addresses this. The, the psalms are these ancient songs we have recorded for us in the scriptures. And Psalm 139, it's one of my favorites. And it's written by this guy named David. David, who was this, this overlooked shepherd boy. In his youth, he would have been considered a nobody by the people around him. But God saw David for who he was. And God calls David to become the king of his people. And and David understood that so much of understanding who he was was found in his relationship with God. And, and he speaks of this in one of his songs in the Psalm 139. And David writes this. He says this. He says, you, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. And this is such a beautiful 
affirmation by David of who he is in light of who God is. And he's saying, God, would you show me who you, show me who I am in light of who you are. God, would you help me see who I am because you know me, you see me for who I really am. And by, by David writing this, he's acknowledging that his identity is found in relationship with God. And David writes this as a beautiful affirmation of who he is. But this is not an affirmation of how he is. Because if you know anything about David's life, he had some serious mess and brokenness in his story. I mean, as king, David seriously abused power. He took advantage of a woman who was powerless before him as a king. I mean, if there was a Me Too movement in David's day, he would have been the premier cause for it. And he takes advantage of this woman and gets her pregnant and now has to cover up his adultery. And, and so he has her husband killed through, cir through circumstances he arranges. I mean, there's some serious mess in David's story. And yet David concludes this song in Psalm 139, asking God for help with the brokenness in his life. And so he concludes with this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, David knows that God can help him because God knows who he really is. He can affirm who he is in light of who God is, even though he knows how he is needs serious work. And he's looking to God to help him. And see, the same thing is true for us in our life and in our story. You and I, we have a Father in heaven who loves us who has moved heaven and earth to invite us back into relationship with him, who gave us Jesus, who came to bring us into the hope of new life with him. And if we let him, God can show us who we are because he sees us. He sees you. And some beautiful things begin to happen when we let God reveal who we are. There's some beautiful things we discover about ourselves when we look up and we let God tell us who we are. We let God reveal to us who we are. One of the things that we begin to discover is this. We are greater than we ever imagined. I mean, this is what God is doing with Gideon. Gideon, look up and see who you are. You're this mighty hero. You're gonna do incredible things in this world. And see, I think the same thing is true for you and I. We are greater than we could ever imagine because God created us in his image and he breathed his breath of life into us so that we could not only know him, but begin to reflect him to the world around us. And that, that means that wherever we go in life, whatever circumstance we walk into, we have the potential to bring the goodness of God with us into those places. We bring hope and life and peace and joy with us wherever we go. If we would look up and let God show us who we are, friend, you are incredible. That's something that we discover when we let God begin to show us who we are. Something else that we begin to discover as God shows us who we are is this. <laughs> 
we are an ongoing work in progress. I, I don't know how that would hit you. I recognize that is true of my life, but sometimes that's just a frustrating reality. Because sometimes I feel like I'm not just a work in progress, like I'm, I'm a serious piece of work. And, and there are times in my life where I'm like, God, how, how much more has to be refined in me? How much more has to be transformed before like I'm, I'm better than I was? And, and how many times do I have to, to keep repeating the lessons in my life? Like, what, what is this that's going on? And, and yet, you, even though that can be so frustrating on one level, it's so hope-filling as well because I'm not, I'm not done yet. God's not done with me. God's doing more work in me. It's why, it's why Paul says that the God who began this good work in us will be faithful to complete it. God's not done with you. He'll never give up on you. He'll always want to lead you more fully into who you really are. And so even though we're an ongoing work in progress, it's because he's wanting to lead us into our truest selves. And see, like Gideon, there will be moments when God steps into our story and calls us out because he wants to call us into our truest self. And oftentimes it's in moments that are challenging or in the struggles that we're facing because those become refining moments in our lives. But it's not simply that they're refining moments. Those become defining moments in our life. As we let God lead us into the story he wants to tell, as we let him show us who we are, as we learn to look up, and say, God, despite my circumstances, would you tell me who I am so I can step into everything you have for me? I love how C.S. Lewis captures this and this whole idea of being a work in progress and God wanting to make something great and reveal who we are. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, when a person turns to Christ, and seems to be getting on pretty well. Like in the sense that some of their bad habits are now corrected, they often feel that it would be now natural if things went fairly smoothly. So when troubles come along, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, they're disappointed. These things they feel might have been necessary to rouse them and make them repent in their bad old days. But, but why now? Well, because God is forcing them on or, or up to a higher level, putting them into situations where they'll have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than they ever dreamed of being before. And it seems to us all unnecessary, but that's because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. So imagine yourself as a living house and God comes in to rebuild that house. And at first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. I mean, what on earth is he up to? And the explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. 
throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. So you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. Wow. Friends, he sees you. He sees you for who you really are. And if you will let him, he will call you into your truest self as we walk with him and let him show us who we really are. And so just because the picture can get fuzzy at times from our perspective, doesn't mean that God loses sight of who we are. And it doesn't mean that God's not at work in our stories, developing us and leading us into our truest self. So I want to invite you in this moment to just take a breath. As we go into this song, to just take a breath. Maybe put your hands open in this moment and just breathe in the life of God. And say, God, help me to see myself for who you are. I want to be still in this moment so that you can show up and remind me that you're at work in my story. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.